Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Hugo Monnier, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. This week, I'm joined by Lawrence Delalio for a big preview of the Autumn Internationals, which gets going properly this weekend. We'll get into the Meta International chat shortly, but first, here's a sneak peek of what else you can look forward to on this week's pod. Ali spent some time chatting to Steve Borthwick and Ellis Genge from the England camp. Every game we play is significant. We want to improve every day we train. Every every match we play, we want to win and get better. And Manu Tuilangi was our guest for the live studio show. I went home to see yeah, the witch doctors just uh, you know, try and find out the problem, um, why I'm getting injured so much. And, uh, you know, it's probably hard for you guys to believe what she said. Um, it was three spirit girls, three girls, as in spirit, that's been um, following me around for the last two, three years. Um, Lawrence, um, this autumn coming up starts all this weekend for all the home nations. Everyone's kind of adopting it or looking at it potentially as an autumn of transition. We've seen lots of youth coming into all the squads. What's your take on it? Well, I, th- I think uh, any international game is is a game that you want to win. Um, clearly, we're still a little way away from the World Cup, uh, but you want momentum. You want to sort of pick up from, uh, uh, you know, what you did last year as an international team. So, you know, I know a lot of teams are looking maybe to rotate their squads this autumn, but I guess it really depends on on who the fixture list is. Um, you know, it's... It's often billed as the Northern Hemisphere v the Southern Hemisphere. Obviously, it's the end of their season. It's the beginning of ours. So we've got, uh, you know, the big three plus some of the other nations from the Southern Hemisphere coming up here. And whenever you get New Zealand, South Africa and Australia in front of you, you want to go out there and acquit yourselves well. And psychologically, I think for all the home nations, um, including uh, England, you want that opportunity to, to, to get the feather in your cap and beat some of those Southern Hemisphere teams. So depending on which uh, squad it is, uh, I'm sure that, you know, each squad will take a slightly different approach to it. England very much uh, on, a, on, a, on a winning run under Eddie Jones um, off the back of that uh, Argentina series. Clearly, he may want to rest a few of those key Lions players who played a lot of rugby uh, during the summer. So we might see a little bit more rotation than we're used to. But... Um, the most important thing is that you want to maintain that winning momentum. Definitely. Mate, we, we always get a few complaints at the end of the autumn. Um, the home nations will say, well, they haven't had much time together to gel as a unit. The Southern Hemisphere team will say, well, it's at the end of a tiring long season. So where does advantage lie? Is it with the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere? 
I'd like to think it's with the Northern Hemisphere. I might be wrong. Uh, people might disagree with that. But, uh, you know, it's the beginning of our season. We're two months in. If you look at the squads coming up from the Southern Hemisphere, it's only probably the All Black squad that looks at, to be close to what I would consider full strength um, because they've got so many players uh, playing so well. A lot of the Australian squad have, have either been injured during the rugby championship or they've decided to rest some of those key players. So for me, I think the... Uh, uh, you know, the onus is on the Northern Hemisphere sides. They're actually playing at their home grounds, be that Murrayfield, be that Cardiff, you know, the Aviva or Twickenham, and even the French over in Paris. Um, you know, so it, it's up to them to, to really set the tone. And uh, if you can't beat them in your own backyard, Ugo, then where can you beat them? Yeah, exactly. Um, you've played in many of these, haven't you? I mean, have you got any standout memories, moments? Uh, well, interestingly, a year before the World Cup, um, you know, we played, New Zealand, Australia and South Africa back to back. Now, I know we're not quite there yet. England have got an amazing autumn international fixture next year where they play all three. Tasty. Uh, very tasty, including Japan. I think it's not quite as critical this year, but certainly in 12 months time, you want to be beating those sides because it's, you know, it's less than a year to go until the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, we always had a, a very, uh, you know, very enjoyable international series. And for me, I just wanted to be on, you know, in that starting team at Twickenham. I mean, you don't get that many opportunities to pull on an England shirt. So when you do play for your country, no matter who it's against, whether it's in the autumn or the Six Nations, you want to be in that starting lineup. And I'm, I'm sure that um, it's an interesting one from an England perspective because a few of those guys have been away playing on the Lions tour. Uh, Eddie Jones brought in a whole raft of new players, took them off to Argentina. Some of them have had that first taste of playing international rugby and uh, I'm sure that they'll be looking for more. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what? I mean, both fortunate enough to play in the autumn as well as the Six Nations. The Six Nations has a unique romance to it and that is that is the Premier Tournament you want to play in but you look at the balance of power world rankings, it's always been in the Southern Hemisphere so there is a credibility to the Autumn Series. They're not warm-ups. You know, when you're playing a contact sport there's no such thing as a warm-up game so for me, I always felt as if a great opportunity to play against New Zealand, Africa, Australia, all, all those kind of nations, especially when they're deemed to be the best teams in the world. So uh, yeah. it was a great opportunity just to see where you were. And also, uh, every game, is there's a cap at stake. So yeah. it's an opportunity to win another cap. And I think that should not be... Uh, uh, you know, looked down at. There's World Cup um, ranking points uh, in terms of, yep. you know, your IRB rankings. England currently ranked as the second best team in the world behind New Zealand. You know, everyone thinks that that gap is quite a large one. Well, if England win all three autumn internationals, they've got an opportunity to, to bridge that gap and, and get it closer together. I think for Wales, um, you know, they've got the opportunity to do something they've never done before, beat New Zealand uh, in Wales. And, uh, you know, that for me, it's about, it's, it's about pushing the boundaries, stretching the gap and, and saying, you know, can we achieve something that no other side has ever done before? Um, you know, can we beat New Zealand in our own backyard? Can we, can we beat all three Southern Hemisphere teams if it's Wales? That I mean, looking at Wales's fixture list, we'll get on to in a minute. They've got a pretty tasty autumn international series coming up. They certainly do. This week, we sent Ali Eakin down to Pennyhill Park to chat to the forwards coach, Steve Borthwick, and one of his chargers, Ellis Genge, as they put the finishing touches on England's preparation for the autumn. Um, Steve, talk to us briefly about the significance of the next month or so in terms of what you're trying to achieve 
two years out from the World Cup? Well, I think every game we play is significant. We want to improve every day we train. Every, every match we play, we want to win and get better. So focusing on Argentina this week, we want to improve our performances from previous. We want to uh, continually advance our game. And that, that's what we've been trying to do on the training field over the last 10 days since we've been together. Appreciate you weren't there in Argentina, but what did everybody learn from the summer tour? How to handle what they're going to throw at you? How to deal with their threats? Well, I think again, what it proved is that, um, how much the uh, focused upon ensuring that the team continues to move forward. And what that what that tour in uh, in June did was give lots of players an opportunity to prove that they can play test rugby at the highest level and as you see in our, in our squad selections several of those players who came on that tour played for England for the first time um, and have forced their way into, into the test squad now and um, that's great for us, it improves our, the depth and the competition we have for places. What about um, Johnny May, can you give us an update on his health, the state of his hamstring injury? Yes, yeah, so Johnny's uh, worked very, very hard with all different aspects of the, of the medical team and the strength and conditioning team and, and recovered well. At this point, he still remains, a doubt for, he still remains doubtful for Saturday. Um, the Lions are all included. Uh, there was some talk, wasn't there, in advance of, of uh, this period last summer, certainly, that they would be rested. Are there still plans to rest some of the Lions players through the course of the next few weeks? I think what's been discussed is ensuring that each player is considered on an individual basis so that in all aspects of our preparation we look at what those players need and we've seen that last week in Portugal as you know we ran several different training programs ensuring that each player maximised all the training for what they needed to, to be in the best possible uh, condition and that's continually monitored that every, every single day we'll be looking closely at the players as to what they need. So there's no specific policy agreed potentially with the clubs that some will play on this weekend but perhaps not on that? Uh, the, focus, the focus for us right now is picking the team that's going to play against Argentina to get the results we want and then after the Argentina game we'll be considering selection for the next week. Okay, what did you get out of your training session with the Welsh in Bristol? Oh, I think it was a, a, a really positive uh, part of our preparation to play against Argentina. It was a great uh, contest. Both teams trained hard and very competitively. Uh, Nigel Owens uh, refereed it and managed that tremendously well. And um, and from it, there were certainly aspects that we um, could move forward with, with in terms of our training that, that we were then able to go and change slightly, alter slightly, tweak slightly, particularly areas around our scrum setup, for example, that we were able to move from that session make changes that we believe are going to uh, have a positive effect on us for Saturday. Did you get more out of that and that scrummage session than you would out of a normal one here, say? Well, I think what we're constantly doing is looking for, to challenge our preparation in different ways and challenge the preparation of the players. So we went into that session um, playing against players um, and, and playing against a different pack that we wouldn't have been training against every, every day since we started our preparation. So in that sense, it's a different challenge. We mentioned Argentina, um, obviously that's what's focusing everybody's mind at the moment, um, Steve. How significant is it that they're in your pool? You're getting to know them really very well. You've played them a lot recently, haven't you? Yeah, um, so we have played them several times in the last 12 months. Really, our, our focus will be on this Saturday. You know, the, the, the World Cup is still uh, two years away. We're concentrating upon this game uh, on Saturday afternoon at Twickenham. Your Lions experience, what did that tour do for you as a coach? Yeah, I think the, 
the tour was it's it gives some good memory for me some good experiences um, but really now that's several months ago my focus is going forward I want to continue to improve certainly one thing um, one thing Eddie is, is um, talks about is, as a coach you've always got to keep looking forward if you look back too much you're, um, you'll be stuck there so you've got to keep looking forward to improve and that's what I try to do every day Can I ask you briefly about Ellis Genge as well he's got a great opportunity this November to k kick on hasn't he what particularly has impressed you about him in this environment he could be a very very good player and that and that's brilliant for us we've got a uh, several players in that position and and we want that we want competition for places throughout our squad in every position um ellis big opportunity for you this november is that, is that the way it feels for you right now uh yeah i mean i've always got opportunities I've got opportunities in september's playing the premiership as well but um international's coming up and obviously joe Joe was suspended and Matty Mullen got injured, so uh, some of the things that happened obviously felt bad about that for them. But yeah, when, when one door shuts, someone else, another door opens, and luckily it's been my opportunity. Uh, fingers crossed, I get the, the chance to go on and do a bit, but I'm just enjoying the time in the camp at the moment with the boys. It's, it's good to see new faces as well. Do you feel you're playing as well as you ever have? Mate, I haven't been on the block that long, really, have I? So <laughs> I'm, I'm just playing, I'm, I'm just playing. Are you enjoying it, clearly? Yeah, I'm loving it, I'm loving it. What's been the key for you to really kick on? I mean, I imagine the, the summer tour was a big, a big factor in uh, the progression that you've made. You know, I think when I first came to Leicester, I was, I was 20 years old, and then at the end of that year, I was just 21, and then played against Wales in the Old Mutual Wealth, and then went on tour to Oz with the boys, didn't play it there. I mean, I've done a lot of growing up since then, um, in rugby terms and as a person as well. I'm sure that's come from being around all these different environments and it's it's good to see from from my perspective how much I've, I've, I've kicked on since then back then I was just running around doing what I wanted and I mean it's good to learn so do you feel quite different within yourself now yeah yeah um, I probably didn't really understand the whole <laughs> not rugby environment but I didn't really understand how, how you had to sort of fit into other environments and that you can just you can be yourself, but it's, it's, it's different. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more at home. You've got to keep your individual streak though, haven't you? Because it is it's who you are. I mean, yeah, uh, everyone's got their own, their own way of doing things. It might be a bit different to others, but uh, yeah, it won't be going anywhere. What about what you did learn in Argentina in the summer? What, what did you get out of that tour, and particularly locking horns with a a nation for whom the scrum is is everything traditionally. Yeah, I mean, we weren't exactly the most dominant in the scrum, so we learned, learned quite a lot there. I mean, we've done our homework leading up to this game, and hopefully we can imply that on the weekend. Do you feel ready now to impose yourself on an England international? Because I, I imagine when people first come into an environment, in some cases they're kind of happy to be there, pleased to be picked. There's a step then, isn't there, between between that and, and really influencing games? Yeah, um, you're so happy to be there. I mean, in this environment, it's, it's not what you, it's not what we sort of, what we drive. I mean, you, you can't just be have to be here, otherwise you're never going to get better. I mean, we're all trying to get better every day, each day that goes by, we're always doing our pickups and stuff. So um, there is that. And then at the same time, yeah, um, it's tough, but you, you just got to get on with it really. And all the hard work you put in sort of goes towards the weekend. Um, I'm right in saying, I think, in the first couple of test matches out there, the two test matches in Argentina, the, 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 there was quite a lot of chat in the front row. Was it quite a lively place? Uh, no, nah, nah, there wasn't that much going on. They didn't really 
their English wasn't great, so I couldn't speak too much to them. But um, no, there wasn't much going on. You like a, you like a bit of chat in the front row? Sometimes in the Premiership, yeah. If I know if I know the opposition, otherwise, no, I keep my mouth shut. Finding a really good pitch, aren't you? In terms of your responses to when people try and wind you up, whether it's something that you feel the, the, the need to kind of spark a little bit of niggle. You've, you're finding a good balance, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of gone out of rugby now, isn't it? Like, you look at the videos from even 10 years ago, some of the stuff they got away with them are now getting red card for in the modern game. So you've got to be careful with what you do. Um, a lot of rules now coming into that sort of stuff and people getting cited, obviously. That's what happened to Joe. But, um, yeah, I, I'm all right. I don't think I'm pushing over the edge just yet. What about um, what you got out of the, the session with the Welsh in Bristol? That Sparky? Yeah, nah, not really. What Sparky? I don't know. Was it feisty? It was feisty. Yeah, I mean, we've got to bring got to bring that sort of temperament to two international sides having a unit session together. It's going to be it's going to be something. There wasn't any fireworks going off to be honest, but um, the intensity was there. and We trained well. We got some good stuff out of it. Yeah. Did you find it was another level up from perhaps what goes on on the on the pitch up here, or just different? I'd probably keep that to myself. Don't want to bag the Welsh, but yeah, we, we train pretty hard here. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Alice. Same, mate. Cheers. Lawrence, we already mentioned it. Lots of new faces, plenty of experience within that England team. But who are the key players for Eddie Jones? Well, I mean, I I know people may not agree with this, but I I can't look beyond the captain. Um, you know, I have to say that Dylan Hartley, for me, he is still the key player. You know, he's he's found a bit of form for his club, Northampton. He is still the England captain. He captained England down in Argentina successfully on a two-match series. He's got this knack of pulling the squad together. Um, having captained England myself, I know how difficult that job is. He is, um, in terms of results-wise, um, one of England's most successful captains ever. And, um, you know, we're, we're building up now towards a World Cup. He is coming under pressure from Jamie George of Saracens. Jamie's playing real well. And uh, so for me, it's, it's about Dylan Hartley being able to get the mindset right for that group of players. Um, and also, there's going to be a lot of change in that England team over the, uh, over the course of the three internationals that they're playing, I would expect. I may be wrong. Um, so... The, the one constant is the captain that keeps it, keeps it you know all together. I'd expect him to start against Argentina, um, and then you know he's the guy that's got to, with all those changes, got to keep the squad together and ensure that England, you know, achieve their objectives of of winning all three games and maybe at the same time, uh, you know, bringing in some of those new players. See in the backs, I'm I'm actually going to go for George Ford. Um, I thought he really flourished out in Argentina. Um, I think when whenever he plays alongside Owen Farrell, number one, that's a fantastic combination. But Owen Farrell is the main man. I think he's the main man in the England team, actually, to be fair. Potentially looking at a future England captain. But when Owen Farrell wasn't there, George Ford was able just to be be the main guy. Lots of inexperienced guys around him. He got the goal-kicking duties back. He goal-kicked really well. Scored a fantastic try, I think, in the second test as well. So, And to your point, when you're going to see so many changes, I don't think Owen Farrell's going to play all three tests. I expect to see George Ford to have a huge involvement. He'll be that voice, not just Monday through to Friday, but at three o'clock when you most need it. So uh, it's so pivotal that um, that those two players, in Dylan and George, um, actually perform really well. But they're the, they're the experienced guys. Who are the young guys? Well, I think when it comes to the young guys, the, the area that England really need to focus on is that number seven shirt in the back row. And I think two names, Sam Underhill of Bath 
and Tom Curry of Sale. I, I see those two going head to head. Chris Robshaw will be there uh, or thereabouts. Uh, you know, he's got that experience uh, and he's a go-to guy. Obviously, with Billy Vunapola being out the team, um, Nathan Hughes uh, has got an opportunity along with uh, Sam Simmons of, of Exeter to really push his cause. But I see... England trying to nail down that number seven jersey. And I think it's between those two. And, you know, it's 50-50, really. Tom Curry started the first test out in Argentina. Sam Underhill started the second test. So, you know, those two really going to go head-to-head. And whichever one comes out on top could provide the key to the England number seven jersey. Anyone in the backs that, that stands out for you, Hugo? Yeah, I think the big one for me is Alex Ozoski. Um if we're going to say that Owen Farrell's not going to play all the test matches, we don't know. But, you know, um, Eddie Jones already spoke about the Lions going to have a little bit of downtime. Well, Ozoski becomes a key player and that could be at 10. George Ford may not play all three tests. And if it's not at 10, it could potentially be at 12. You know, no Ben Teo, no Manu Tuolangi. He could be that key in terms of that axis of a ball playing 10 and 12. So he, he's been around for ages. It feels weird actually calling him a young fella. But yeah, I think he could be um, be really key. Um, Lawrence, let's talk about problem areas for England. And people might critique us actually for talking about problem areas. You know, when you're 18 from 19 in the last 18 months, then they're clearly going pretty well. But I've got a feeling that defence is going to be a huge focus. Leaked too many points out in Argentina. I guess the caveat to that, lots of frontline players not being there. But we saw the same thing 2015, the tour down to Australia. Do you think that's going to be their one area to really focus upon? Well, I think the um, the foundations of winning any international rugby match and being a successful international team are the key pillars of the set piece and the defence. And therefore, you know, England at their very best are a strong set-piece side, a scrummaging and line-out side. Interesting that Eddie Jones has invited in Wales uh, or Wales have invited in England because clearly they see that, that an area where England can improve. And I agree with that because without the set-piece, you can't dominate in attack. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you lose your set-piece, you spend a lot more time, Ugo, as you know, defending. So I think that's an area that England are good and Eddie Jones knows that, but it's an area that they can still improve and get better. Um, I agree with you on the defence. Uh, it's an area that England leaked too many tries. and Brought in another coach, haven't they? And, uh, yeah, brought in another coach. The other area that I, um, you know, I really see as a problem area for England is the way that they start international rugby matches. Um, you know, I've been at Twickenham for a lot of England games recently, and they do not come out the blocks very well. Now, I don't know why. I don't, I don't think they train like that all week. Yeah. You know, they don't mean to go points down early on in a game but England have done well to come back into games where they've given the other team a 10 point start now when they come up against good quality sides and this autumn you know may well be the case they're not going to be able to give sides a 10 15 point head start so for me the area that I'd like to see England focus on is that first 15 20 minutes now that, that doesn't mean that they've got to race into a 20 point lead it just means that they've still got to be within touching distance and and maybe build a score 6 9 12 points so so that area for me and then the other area is our England's attacking game i think of all the things that Eddie Jones has sort of done in the last two years since he's been in charge, I think the one that takes more time than anything is the attacking game. And, and I think that's something that's still evolving. And hopefully with the likes of uh, Henry Slade, you know, Owen Farrell, George Ford, and with the quality that we have in the back three, that it's something we might see develop. I watched him train last week, Lawrence, and I've got to say that was as sharp a training session I've seen 
anywhere in in a long long time keep hearing the this this, this watchword flat and fast flat and fast and you're absolutely right. You need to get your set piece right before you can do anything, before you can recycle the ball, before you can get any width, before you have any right to attack. So I firmly believe with the intel, that the intellect, sorry, they've got in their back line, as well as some of the finishers, that, that they should be firing this autumn. In terms of the opposition, we've yeah. got Argentina first up, then Australia, Samoa. I mean, uh, clearly the standout game is Australia without being unkind to yeah. the other two. I mean, do you see any of those sides causing problems for England and um, if so which one is the one that's going to cause England the most problems they shouldn't do there, there won't be any fear factor going into this weekend game against Argentina there shouldn't be they beat Argentina 2-0 in their backyard with 30 of their best players missing I mean you've got to respect every opposition understand their strengths and their bigger strengths their set piece but if I was preparing for this game I wouldn't have any fear factor in fact It'd be all about how we prepare and what we do. And I think that's going to be the current theme throughout the three weeks. So they should comfortably beat Argentina, should be in the operative word. Australia. Australia have looked down and out. You know, they're losing a franchise in Super 15 and haven't played so well. And then, of course, just before the Autumn Internationals, they go and beat the All Blacks. So they're clearly finding a little bit of form. Not a lot of love lost between the two nations. You know, you look at the coaches to start with and the history um, that clearly um, Australia have got with England. Um, that's going to be a trying match. And I think Australia, one of the cleverest operators at, at Rugby Union, they just are. That You look at their backline, the way in which they can manipulate them. But England have got such a dominant pack that you expect them to beat them up front. And Samoa, well... You just don't know. I mean, terrible news of, you know, the, the union going bankrupt today. So you're not sure what, you know, state mentally those guys are in. But often you get with Samoa, lots of big hits, a bit of organised chaos. But if I was planning for this autumn, I don't care about the opposition. We've worked so hard. It's all about us. And if we do, and if we can implement our game plan for long enough, we should be able to win comfortably. How about you? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it, the most competition England will have is amongst themselves yeah. uh, in terms of who gets in the squad, who gets in each starting team. And I think it's about making sure that they come out of this autumn with the results and the performance that they really want. So Saturday International Rugby comes back to our BT screens. It's Scotland against Samoa 2.15 on BT Sport 1. First of all, got to say credit to Scotland and their union. It's sold out 60,000 people against what's deemed to be a tier two nation. So that's brilliant work from them, clearly doing a lot of good things. How do you see this game going? Yeah, it's, it's difficult when you haven't played international rugby. Both teams will have, it's been a while since they got together. And, uh, you know, sometimes there can be a little bit of rustiness um, when you haven't played for a while. Scotland have got their injury problems, I'll be honest. I mean, Gregor Townsend uh, is now sort of firmly, un, you know, uh, ensconced within the job. Uh, he's done a fantastic job for Glasgow. Uh, you know, we know the style of rugby that he likes to play. Um, you know, it's about getting the set piece right. It's about being well organised, good defence. But when it comes to attack, it's about having that little bit of uh, magic. The offloading game, you know, um, sh constantly shifting the point of attack. So I'm really excited, actually, to see how Scotland are going to play in this game. I think it'll be a physical opening test for them. The most important thing is you know that Samoa aren't necessarily the most organised team yeah. in, in the world, but they will be looking for those big hits and they'll be physical early on until possibly the fitness starts to take its toll. So I think it's important that Scotland don't try and take liberties too early on in the game. You know, they've, you've got to pay uh, due respect to the opposition you're playing against, keep the structure, be organised, and then when the opportunities come, perhaps, uh, you know, 
later in the first half, towards the beginning of the second half, that's when they'll be able to pile the points on. So I don't see Scotland having too many problems. Um, you know, clearly uh, the injuries, we'll mention a few of them, Greg Lay, Lord Duncan Taylor, Fraser Brown, Mark Bennett, Richie Gray, just to name a few. Um, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to, progress this autumn they cannot afford any more of those injuries so hopefully um, you know they get through that first game um, but they've obviously got the likes of New Zealand and Australia to come and and they'll want to just come out of that first game with damage limitation yeah, it's, it's a punishing autumn for them it's uh, arguably a, a harder autumn series than what England have got I mean uh, Ugo they're, they're key players I mean do you still see it being the likes of Finn Russell and uh, it's got to be yeah. it's got to be I think when you've got that amount of injuries you need your senior players really to stand up um, Greg Laidlaw's a massive loss goal kicker captain Sir John Barkley you expect him to captain he did so in the summer but for Finn Russell um, number one the relationship between him as well as the coach is fantastic coached each other sort of got coached at Glasgow he slots into Scotland and they will play exactly the same way interview Gregor Townsend a couple of weeks ago and he just spoke about attacking the pace of the game expect to see that quality and that intent going into this uh, opening game this weekend so um, he's a massive player for them absolutely mentioned John Barkley WP now who who was a Potential British and Irish line until he um, until he got injured earlier um, earlier this year, which is a massive shame for him. So him coming back into the fold of things, you expect to see him go so well. So um, you know, a couple of those guys had a bit of lines experience as well. So you be expecting them to feed that back into the squad. We mentioned the All Blacks, yeah. uh, also available on BT Sport. The following weekend is is Scotland, New Zealand. Um, did we see anything in that Barbarians performance against the All Blacks to, to suggest that there's just a tiny bit of Vulnerability in their team. Um, it, it was a team that was that was fair changed. I thought they got caught into the trap of playing in a similar style to the Barbarians. If that was a proper test match, if that was in the rugby championship, they wouldn't have played that way. I mean, they were ten nil down at one point. Mm. And do you know what? As a spectator, as a neutral, you're kind of looking at both and thinking, which team have been on the pop all week? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the Barbarians started so quick. So, and Steve Hansen's comments afterwards, he's clearly frustrated um, at, his, at his team. But do you know what? There wasn't any. Kieran Reid was the water boy. I doubt he's going to be carrying any more water this weekend. So his team will be fully loaded and I'm sure they'll be back to their very best, which is uh, probably not good news if you're Scottish. So some new faces into the Scotland squad. Um, this autumn, Byron McGuigan from Selb, Scoring some brilliant trials up there. Chris Harris up at Newcastle and Luke Hamilton at Leicester. All deserved to be in that squad, Laura? Yeah, I think I think they are actually. And and it's good to see Scotland um, you know, casting the net far and wide to try and, you know, add to their uh, you know, add to their strength. They've got some serious injury problems. So, yeah. you know, with Sean Maitland out injured and Tim Biss is slightly out of form down at Harlequins for whatever reason, out of favour maybe, not out of form. You know, McGuigan could well get that sp- you know, starting spot on the wing. Really interested to see how Luke Hamilton goes, whether they give him an opportunity. And, you know, not being unkind to Scotland, that, that their pool of players is not that big. So when you've got a daunting autumn international fixture list and you're already going into that fixture list with a, a whole host of internationals, I'd like to see some of these younger, uh, less experienced players getting the opportunity. And I'm sure that Gregor Townsend will, uh, will bring some of them in. So now on to Wales, Ugo, and uh, they play probably the hardest fixture list uh, along with Ireland. They face Australia, uh, Georgia and New Zealand. Um, How do you think you see Wales getting on? I mean, 
Mate, do you just want me to be hated in Wales? I'm not sure how to answer this. Well, okay, Wales haven't beaten Australia since 2008. In fact, they've not won a single opening match of the Autumn International since 2008, and they've lost to every Southern Hemisphere side in and amongst them. Don't know why they're slow starters. And as I mentioned already, Australia beating New Zealand just a couple of weeks ago would identify that they're actually finding their feet in a bit of form. Um, I don't know, there's been lots of tinkering in this Welsh squad. I think we're definitely going to move and see a brand new style, not a brand new style, but a different style. I think, you know, with Rob Howley and Warren Gatlin on that Lions tour, seeing the way Sexton and Fowle operated, you know, when you look at the quality of ball players that Wales have, then you'd like to see more of expansive players, especially when you see the likes of Scarlets, um, who were Pro 12 champions last year. So... I think they're going to struggle, if I'm if I'm going to be honest. Um, I can't see them beating Australia, um, and they desperately need to do that. You know, we're two years away from a World Cup. You've got to start beating these teams. Georgia shouldn't be a problem in New Zealand. Yeah, well, they're New Zealand, aren't they? Yeah, well, I guess with, um, you know, with Sam Warburton out injured and certainly in that first game, you've got Tipperick and Webb who, who are injury doubts. The thing that, that surprises me and I think the thing that Wales need to do and find is that on the Lions tour, you had guys like Liam Williams, Jonathan Davis, um, you know, Alan Wynne-Jones, Tipperick, Faletau that played brilliantly for the yeah. Lions and, you know, credit to them for doing that. They now need to discover that form in a Wales jersey because if they've got any chance of, or they're to stand any chance of beating Australia and that would be a significant feather in their yeah. cap for the first time, as you say, in a long while uh, and they're going to even stay close to New Zealand, they know, need all those senior players to really step up to the plate and when you read those names out, you know, Halfpenny, Williams, Davis, you know, Dan Bigger, Reese Webb, Faletau. These are guys who've got, you know, multiple, multiple caps. So we know that they can deliver. And we've seen it recently for the Lions in a red shirt. And I think what Wales fans will say is, can we have the Warren Gatland that coaches the Lions, please? Yeah. Can we have the what? Can we have the uh, the players that play for the Lions playing for Wales? Because it's about time they actually, you know, did something in a Welsh shirt. Well, I think the point really is um, not just the coaching, but it's also the system. I think those players really flourished in that Lions system just because it was a little bit more expansive, and that's probably where they haven't flourished so much for Wales, where it's been. I'm not going to say the term but getting around the corner and just using a bit of physicality so you're hoping with a more expansive games that the likes of William Williams he's been brilliant for Saracens often players take time to settle into brand new clubs not for him not for Faletau. The guy's barely had a break. He's had, what, a two-week pre-season pulling up trees there for Bath. So you need these players to do well. Dan Bigger in his last season before he comes to Northampton, he's going to be a big player. And Owen Williams, well, whether it's at 10, whether it's 12, whether it's fullback, quality player that needs to get game time. But I'm really excited to see a new, re-energised, more expansive play in Wales. If they can do that then actually I think it takes the edge off the results because it really does feel like transition. Loads of new players, a different style, and that takes time to bed in. I can see them winning two, two, two games against Australia and Georgia. I think that game against New Zealand might just be a bridge too far at this stage, depending on whether they can keep everyone injury-free. So Wales um, trained up against England on Monday, set piece, so the backs wouldn't have been there. They'd have been playing five-a-side football, no doubt. <laughs> but um, how much would you have enjoyed that kind of session when back in your day? Uh, well, we did a lot of live 
scrummaging and uh, live line-out play, but it tended to be against each other. Yeah. Or we'd bring in the England under-21s or the England students. Um, to do it against uh, quality opposition like Wales uh, is really interesting. And You'd have loved it. And, yeah, you would have done. I mean, uh, not as much as the front row, probably. <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, you've got to remember that when, when it's scrum time, you know, in the back row, you can sort of sit and watch the... Uh, <laughs> Just almost sort of like the touch paper and watch, it, yeah. and watch them explode. You're but, taking uh, pictures from the back. I mean, it gets properly lively. And I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in that training session. I'm sure it was controlled. It was refereed. Uh, but equally, uh, you know, these are guys who, if there's ever a time to do it, immediately after a Lions tour was probably the right time. Yeah. Because, you know, there's not quite as much animosity amongst the two squads because they've been together on tour, quite a few of those players. Yeah, so I'd imagine there would have been a nice bit of laughing and a bit of banter because, you know, the, the, the likes of Maratoji, you know, knows Alan Wynne-Jones very well yeah. and, and vice versa. So a good time for me to do it. I think the most important thing, you know, apart from it being uh, seen as a bit of a gimmick, is that both teams got something out of it. And uh, otherwise, there's no point in doing it. And, uh, you know, one, no injuries. Two, you learn a little bit about the opposition. But three you know, you learn from each other and, and hopefully that's, uh, you know, what these two teams will have done. I heard Joe Marler in the week. Um, he obviously wasn't there because he's banned and he said he'd have loved to have been in that training session. He says, well, you can't pick up a ban in a training session, can you? So <laughs> you can imagine he'd have got hell for leather. So if we move on to Ireland, uh, Ugo, they play again, South Africa, Fiji, Argentina. Um, and I guess they've got to be targeting three wins out of those three games, haven't they? I mean, Ireland have... Uh, uh, are improving enormously under Joe Schmidt. They, they are uh, a force to be reckoned with, no doubt about that. They've they've beaten England in you know the only team to have beaten England uh, you know under Eddie Jones's tenure. So that in itself sort of separates them out from anyone else in the home nations. And uh, you know I'd expect them to really be targeting all three games. Yeah, absolutely. I think last year they were the first team to beat all Southern Hemisphere teams in one year since like '05 or something like that. So they're flying. You can, you remember that game in Chicago, that emotional uh, one up against New Zealand. So um, they look, they they're good during the autumn series. They seem to get together really well and really quick. And they're starting up against Africa. We know about South Africa physical, no confidence this year. Been battered, been absolutely disgraced, haven't they, in the rugby championship? So Ireland will be looking to hit the ground running. Um, but one of their big star names, who's been a big star for them for a long time is Simon Zebo. He's off to France, reported to be Racing Metro, and he's been left out of the squad. Um, what do you make of that? Well, to be honest, um, I think the Irish Rugby Union did, if you you know believe what you read or believe what you hear, everything they could to try and keep hold of him. But he's got to the stage in his career where you know he's looking at other options, he's got a young family, and uh, it's very hard, for the even for the Irish Union, to match uh, the sort of money on the table from a club like Racing. So, I don't, you know, I can understand that. He's been a great servant for Munster and for Ireland. Uh, and I guess they'll look to some of these, uh, you know, amazing younger players coming through. But when you look at some of the names on the team sheet, some of the established players like Rory Best, Furlong, Henderson, McGrath, O'Brien, CJ Stander, Henshaw, Sexton and Murray, you know, you look at that squad and you realise actually when you then throw in all the young players coming through at both Leinster, Connell and, uh, uh, you know, Ulster and Munster, they're going to be a formidable squad and uh, I absolutely expect them to beat all three of those games, win all three and, uh, and be going into the Six Nations in really good spirits.
One of our live Anglo-Welsh fixtures this weekend sees the traditional rivalry rekindle as Bath welcome Leicester. And this week's Tiger star, Manu Tuilangi, joined us live in the studio. Here's the best bits of our chat with him. Welcome, Manu. Welcome back. Thank You've been you. on the show a few times now, haven't you? Yeah. It's good to see you. Right, first things first, how's the knee? Yeah, it's good, thanks. Um, rehab's going well and... You know, hopefully back in four to five weeks. That's gone really quick, I think, isn't it? Your, your yeah. Since um, yeah, luckily this time is only uh, the meniscus. It's only a, a tear in the meniscus. I'm nodding like I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound yeah. very pleasant, whatever it is. Um, and we heard last week, or this week, I can't remember when I read it, that you've been seeing a Samoan witch doctor to get you back quicker? Or <laughs> why have you been, why yeah, have you been to see them? Um, you know, I went, I went home to see yeah, the witch doctors just to... Uh, you know, try and find out the problem, um, why I'm getting injured so much. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it took four said? days. Okay. As he said... Um, Too many sins in a previous life, right? <laughs> <laughs> right <Abraham? laughs> Not enough. <laughs> exactly. She said um, it, it was, you know, it's probably hard for you guys to believe what she said. Um, it was three spirit girls, three girls, as in spirits, has been, um, been following me around for... The last two, three wow. years. What, putting like bad luck on, on mm, you? Pretty much. Has she, has she cleaned the spirits away? Let's so, hope. So, uh, it took four days um, for the treatment. She basically massaged my whole body with um, Fijian oil, huh. and basically she blocked me from um, from them. So they won't be able to see him or find me. Hugo's eyes lit up when you said she massaged me. We've got a lot of spirits. I'm heading to Samoa. Right, OK, so we've had loads of reaction to you coming on the show, as you can imagine. So we've got the first one up from Twitter. Adam Smith, 1986. Who's the coolest to a laggy brother? You've got quite a few. Well, yeah, apart from me. They're all pretty cool. They're pretty different, I'd say. Uh, my oldest brother, Freddie, he's the craziest one, not cool, he's crazy. I've had a few beers of him. I'm, I've lived to tell the tale. Um, going from a tale to actually something which is fairly prominent in the news over the last couple of days, and this is on Twitter. So this is to you, Manu. In your opinion, what more can be done by the wealthiest unions and world rugby to help Samoa? Quite a hearty question. Mm. Uh, I think there's, there's a big problem back home and... Um, you know, it's not, it's not just money. I think it's, you know, it's, it's more of an um, internal problem. If they sort it out first, then um, it'll be all right with the money that hopefully the, the World Rugby will, will give them. Because, I guess, if for people who haven't heard the news, Simone Rugby today have announced that they've gone bankrupt. Um, mm. And clearly this is a World Rugby issue, but England have said that they'll contribute in, in the Test match this November. And I guess that's, that's, that's really nice from them, but it's not necessarily their issue to be solving. So wh where do you point the finger? Because we've had tweets from and articles about players potentially giving up 5% of their wages, which once again is a lovely contribution, yeah. but that's just a short-term fix. For a medium to long-term fix, how can we really help support one of the greatest rugby nations in the world? Uh, yeah, this problem has been been there for a long time. Um, you know, since um, since the World Cup 2011, the, you know, the, the players came out and and, and spoke out with uh, the captain. Um, I think uh, the problem is is a lot bigger than than money and a lot bigger than um, the the World Rugby and the RFU and you know the, the the nice suggestion of the of the players. I think the problem is. Um, 
you know, it's much more than that. It certainly is. You were talking about it earlier, weren't you, Lawrence? Yeah, I mean, it, listen, if you think about the, the players that Samoa have provided, you know, not only for their own national team, but actually to the benefit of countries like England, you know, where, where <coughs> um, you know, the Tuolangi orig originated from Samoa, New Zealand have benefited. I think there's two issues. One, World Rugby will, I'm sure, do whatever they can to help Samoa, but equally, Samoa have got to manage their finances correctly as well. So I think there's always two sides to the argument. It's, it's sad to see them bankrupt at the moment. Uh, I'm sure, um, well, Samoa will be here in, in the autumn. Let's enjoy their rugby. Yeah. Yeah. All, the, all the costs of that are, are paid for by uh, the, the RFU and by the Scottish RFU. So there's no issues about them playing. I really do hope that the off-field problems don't affect you know, the wonderful rugby and the brand of rugby that we're likely to see from Samoa. And I've absolutely no doubt that World Rugby hopefully will step in now uh, and manage the situation on both sides. I see. Another question here on Facebook from James Cousin. Um, I'm not sure how you'll answer this, but what centre do you most want to partner up with in England? <laughs> and actually, I'll broaden it, make it slightly easier. Who's the best centre you've played with? I've played with a lot of uh, great centres uh, in my career so far. Um, you know, I, I would love to to play with any of them. As I was looking um, over in the squad behind me, um, all the all the centres are there. You know, they, Joseph Slade, yeah. Daly. I mean, there's yeah. so many that's quality. What, that's what I mean. Possibly, so many quality um, players there. And they they all have the you know their differences in in the way that they play in their strengths and. Um, that's what that's what's great about um, about this England side. That's it. Who's the best uh, left winger that you've played? <laughs> black black left winger. Thanks, Manu. Okay, right. Uh, there's another question. <laughs> Fraser Bundy. What's the greatest moment of your rugby career? Um, Pretty decent try, 2012 versus New Zealand. Yeah, that, yeah, that, was, yeah, that was a good moment. Um, Sit down, Richie. Good, <laughs> Sorry, good to Dan. get a win. But Conrad who? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just name it, it was decent. Um, I think uh, one of them was just um, just playing for, for the Lions. Um, the, you know, something that, um, well, the Lions and, and, and England, is something that I, I've never never dream of as a, as a kid um, back home in Zambor. OK, Bath Tigers, always a massive fixture this, regardless of the competition, and that's on a Friday night, 7.30. BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD. Both teams both recorded wins in round one. Um, so it's a huge game regardless, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, clearly the, uh, the squads rotate. You get some of the uh, academy players, uh, you know, coming in. But if you get off to a good start in this competition, you know, you want to carry that momentum on. And, and we've seen what it's done, um, you know, for the likes of Leicester and Exeter Chiefs last year who who contested the final, you know, Leicester narrowly winning it. So this is a competition that, that they take a lot from. So I'd expect uh, both sides to be at full strength in terms of the, the players that they want to make available. Um, you know, Charlie Thacker in the centre was man of the match for Leicester. Really played well, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, uh, Freddie Burns is going back to his old club. Yeah. He didn't play in the Premiership, did he? No. I know he's furious about that. So he's got a point to prove. Been banned for three weeks and uh, be itching for a bit of game time. So a massive, massive game. Yeah, and, and as you say, one of the real uh, traditional fixtures in the English uh, calendar. So great to see you know Bath playing against Leicester and you can watch it on BT Sport 1. And of course, then the focus switches on Sunday to Scarlets v Exeter Chiefs. That 
was showing at 2.45 on BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD. First game of the tournament for the Scarlets. And I guess, Ugo, given their disappointing start in the Champions Cup, they'll want to sort of show people actually that they're still a quality outfit and do something in this competition. Um, yeah, yeah, it's another big game for them. You'd have thought that considering how well they went last year, winning the Pro 14, that they would have springboard into Europe and they're all but out of that. So this is clearly a very big competition with them. Some of the guys gone off to Wales, but another really good opportunity to have a look at the strength and depth within the squad. And when you look at Exeter, I mean, obviously they'll rest all their first team regulars, but when you look at the players who may well play in this Anglo-Welsh tournament, you know, James Shaw, Oli Devoto, Will Chudley, Matt Kvesic, I mean, that's real quality premiership experience. They made the final last year. They weren't able to pip Leicester Tigers. They've won their opening game. Um, you know, convincing win over Northampton Saints at home. So, you know, they're going to be difficult to beat. I think so, yeah. They were, they were brilliant last week, once again, as you'd expect them to be at home. But, you know, this competition, I think, is so key in terms of developing the conveyor belt of talent that we have in this country. And now, obviously, for the Welsh as well. So, uh, you know, whether it's coming back from injury or lack of game time, sick of holding tackle bags, huge weekend of rugby for everyone involved. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We're back in the studio again next week for Rugby Tonight, where Craig, Austin and Ben will be joined by Andy Robinson to digest the opening weekend of the Autumn Internationals and welcome back the Aviva Premiership. Remember to subscribe to the pod so it's delivered straight to your device every Thursday. If you've enjoyed listening today, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. Bye for now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.